Hey, um, hey everybody. Tonight is a special night. Uh, it is the premiere of this episode. And um, it's the first night of spring, 2015. Uh, but if you're listening to this in the morning, then uh, happy, good, good morning. It is the second day of spring. Uh, or uh, I... I and I hope that you're enjoying this um, whenever you are listening to it, whenever it finds its way to your ears. Uh, so, um, thank you for tuning in. Uh, I realize that not everyone has the time to devote their full attention uh, to a 30-minute episode, so I wanted to create a way for you to listen without being distracted from however you pass your time while enjoying this podcast. Uh, this is how it works. Every so often throughout the episode, you'll hear a tone. This tone will remind you that you're just listening to a show, and you should really go back to whatever it is you want to be doing instead of listening to this podcast episode. Uh, checking your emails, job applications, driving, making love, etc. I hope this tone uh, not only helps you enjoy this episode, but also teaches you something about how you listen. Uh, here comes a Miles tone, the first tone. You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension, a dimension of sound, a dimension of sight, a dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. A dimension of sign. Oh, hi, I'm Solon. You're here for Strange Voices, right? Great, come on in. So good to see you. Uh, we're just about to start. Uh, so I have to get backstage soon, but I put your ticket somewhere uh, uh, here. Here. Okay, uh, let's see. Your seat is... Ooh, front row. Okay, here you go then. Uh, just so you know, it's a radio play. Uh, so it, it really doesn't matter that you're in the front row because you won't see anything. But uh, it'll be cool because uh, you'll still be closer to the orchestra. Anyways, uh, I, I wrote the play, it's called Smoker's Choice, starring me, and uh, later on there's a guest star, uh, a person I found on the street, and whose name I still don't know, and uh, after that, uh, the chorus shows up for the big finale. Uh, so, that's all you really need to know, uh, thanks for coming, and uh, I I'll see you later. Oh, that's right though, I'm actually... I'm busy after the show, so I won't be able to come out to see you. Ugh, sorry. Oh, man. Ooh, ooh, they just called places. I have to run. Uh, but without further ado, here is Smoker's Choice. Hi, I'll take a pack of American Spirits. forgot your credit card back in your apartment today, which is inconvenient and at this moment somewhat devastating because you had a stressful morning and you need a cigarette right now. And although the store clerk just placed a pack on the counter, you don't have any means of paying for it because you only have $9 in your pocket, which is still $1.50 short for the cheapest pack and, like you said, you left your credit card back in your apartment.
You've smoked twice in your life. Both times were when you were younger, much younger, a kid really. You remember seeing your third grade teacher smoking by the emergency exit when you were walking to gym class. A few days later, you figured out that she kept her cigarettes in the top right drawer of her desk. It wasn't too much longer before you stole one and hid it behind the bookshelf in the reading corner. You brought friends to look at your prized loot. John McPherson took a particular interest in it because he had seen his grandfather smoking cigars on holidays. A few months later, one day during summer vacation, you and John smoked it outside your house during a sleepover. The next year, you saw your mom smoking a cigarette on the one-year anniversary of 9-11. Your mother would notice if you stole a cigarette, so the next day, you returned to your third grade teacher's desk, stole another cigarette out of the carton, and smoked it that night on the roof of your garage. Nobody could see you then. Only the stars watched you that night as you blew smoke into the tonic New England air, which gave you a notion of the winter cold and oncoming war. You felt a warmth of life in the blaze of your cigarette. Your lungs were so fresh that the smoke went down easy. You gazed ahead while you smoked, as your mother did the night before. And with as much understanding of adulthood as nine years of yourself could have, you knew what it meant to not be a child anymore. Over the years since, you haven't smoked, aside from a drunken drag here and there. Yet, that moment on the rooftop gave you an attitude, and for this reason, you feel a certain camaraderie with smokers. You understand their struggle. They're victims of addictive additives and false advertising, false dreams. And what do they get for it? The jitters, addiction, heart risks, cancer, everything it does to a person's breath, let alone the smell. Yet, you also understand the reward. You know that they must find some momentary pleasure in the whole ritual, something that makes the puff worth the immense cost. Other than the minimum wage workers who deliver takeout food on bicycles, smokers are the only ones you see who are willing to put up with the cold in New York. You've walked past them plenty of times. They shiver on the sidewalk, like solitary statues staring at the pavement, as if with each breath they could see beyond the concrete surface. Oh what you would do to see beyond that surface. You space out for a moment. And you're back. Outside the corner store, you're making your way to the subway that will take you home. As you look down at your footsteps, you remind yourself that your strong desire to smoke is at odds with your ideals. Over the last three years in school, those little torches of freedom have come to represent most of what you hate about consumerism in this country. In more than one conversation when searching for evidence to support your claims about the evils of the ever-elusive American corporate, you've repeatedly referred to the tobacco industry as among the likes of Monsanto, Halliburton, and Starbucks. But right now, one little cigarette doesn't seem bad at all. And as for your ideological contradiction, well, who the fuck cares? You're not running for office, and even if you were, everyone has a vice. And as far as vices go, smoking's kinda sexy. It's your way of saying yes. I know the world has been consumed by consumption, and pretty soon I too will be digested. I'll accept the fate that my life is shaped by faces I'll never see. So while the world goes off the deep end and Nero plays the fiddle, I'll sing along. I'll allow myself the pleasure of one cigarette and try to hold on to my peace of mind. Because in this world, it may be the only peace I have left. Yeah. You've proven your point to yourself and to the opponent of your hypothetical debate. One point for Team Cigarette. You're usually on the other side of that debate. 
But today, you'd gladly tell anyone that he or she can take whatever socio-political context they have against smoking and blow it out his or her ass because right now, you're getting over a stressful morning. You're in need of a cigarette. You're kneeling on the sidewalk, rummaging through your backpack for spare change in a final effort to muster up the money for a pack of cigarettes before you enter the subway station. You find some paper clips, a dull pencil, and a Bic lighter, but no spare change. Sometimes you can be such a fucking moron. Forgetting your credit card back at home, you have one redemption, your certainty that it will be better. It will all be better when you satisfy this thirst you got for that milky, milky puff puff. It's cold out. You're not going to get a cigarette by waiting here, and you don't feel like dilly-dallying anymore. You postpone the cigarette until you get home. You'll have to wait until you get home. So you can grab your credit card from your laptop keyboard, go to the corner store right outside, buy a fresh pack of American Spirits or whatever the hell else they're selling, and breathe in some relief. Yes. You zip up your bag. Now what? Oh, right. Subway. Go. Your attention, please. All luggage and parcels must be attended at all times. Any items left unattended will be removed by and subject to search by the MTA police. Thank you for your cooperation. You lean against a door at the very end of the subway train, with your head half turned out the window. You feel the vibrations of the track below while the visions of a tunnel race away from the car. The train comes to a stop at the next station and you look up at the people entering. In just a matter of seconds, everyone is in their places. A man next to you addresses the crowd. Hello, everybody. His voice projects through the subway car, yet only two other people turn their heads. One of them is a child and the other is a tourist. Hello, hello. If you could be so generous as to excuse my shouting and to give me a moment of your attention, I would greatly appreciate it. My name is Paul, and I'm a good man, and an honest man. Ask anybody who knows me. I'm not here to hurt or scare anybody today. As you all know, times are tough. People have to choose between feeding themselves and feeding their families, and even that choice is a luxury to some. At this point, the people who haven't turned their heads are still reacting to the man's presence. One woman holds her pocketbook closer, and a man makes sure that his wallet is still securely on his person. The man continues with his speech. Listen, folks, I'm a good guy. I'm a veteran from this great country we live in. If you could spare some food, some money, or prayer, I would really appreciate it. God bless, and really everything and anything is appreciated. He walks away from you down the subway car, and obviously you don't give him any money. You don't think he's a bad guy. You don't even suspect that he would use the money for drugs or alcohol. He probably does need the money, the food, and the prayer. Whatever. You know how this nation treats the warriors of yesteryear. You believe his story. He has walked further down the subway car, and you haven't looked at him for about 20 seconds, but something struck you about this man's call for help. Maybe it was his smell. Or maybe it was how he called this country great. Or how young he was. Your mind lingers on the notion of war. You wonder what is worth that kind of fight. Maybe a sense of justice, or a lifestyle, or some hot dogs and a popsicle on a hot summer day. You don't know. You've never heard the call. But you have been to battle. For you, each day is a battle, and life is a war. And you already know the outcome. It's the same outcome for everybody. Not just you, but fathers, sons, mothers, daughters, strangers. You see everyone as soldiers. Neighborhoods are encampments, and restaurants are canteens. Everything is so temporary. Everyone keeps their gaze ahead and their mouths shut while we march forward. Follow orders. 
We don't know where we're heading, and we don't know when we're going to get home. We just know that we're going to die out here. You hear a spoiled child screaming to his father. This reminds you that as a 22-year-old liberal arts student who has never held a gun before, you don't appreciate the immense difference between the madness of war and your daily routine. Perhaps that's why when the man passed by, you didn't give him anything. Maybe you should have given him a dollar or some food or a goddamn prayer. On the other hand, maybe you shouldn't give him money. And maybe you should enlist in the war and kill somebody or watch your friend or sibling get shot so you know what it feels like and the next time you cross a veteran in need, you can properly justify your lack of generosity. You wonder why you don't make a similar announcement on the subway. Why don't you tell the passengers about your situation? Oh, you're a liberal arts college student and you don't usually do this, but you were hoping that somebody could spare some change or even a cigarette. You could mention how you occasionally think about suicide, but you're not sure whether that would help your case. You look around at your fellow passengers. Maybe if one of them had a cigarette out, you could ask, but... <sighs> Giving a speech to everyone in the subway car is something beyond your level of comfort. You wish you were better at talking with strangers. You wish you were better at getting what you wanted. You turn these phrases around for a moment, but finally you articulate your thought. You wish you weren't you. And secondly, you wish you haven't been feeling that way for quite some time now. But, you have. And you're in this life. This is who you are. Still, sometimes you get so fucking tired of listening to yourself think. Trying to listen to the thoughts in your head is like trying to press your fingertips into some imaginary thing. Your beliefs, your outlook, need a dose of something real, but more immediately, you just need a fucking cigarette. This is your stop. You exit the train and head for the street. It's nighttime at this point. You're walking back to your place. You feel the cold against your face, but the promise of a warm cigarette isn't far away. It will only be another 10 minutes or so before you can retrieve your credit card from your apartment and purchase some relief. Just before you turn your first corner, you see a stranger smoking on a stoop a few feet in front of you. You make eye contact with her. Just as you've seen smokers stare into the abyss, she stares into you. You stand in silence for what seems to be much longer than the few seconds which pass. You reach into your backpack for your lighter. You take it out. You're shaking slightly as you ask. Hey, excuse me? Yes? Uh, do you mind? Uh, could I trade you a lighter for a cig? Sure you can. You can just have the cigarette. Oh. You're surprised. Thanks. I, um, I really appreciate it. I know. And I always, I do that all the time. I ask people for cigarettes and they give them to me always. Well, thank you. Are you sure? I mean, I, um... You don't like being in debt. 
It's a good lighter. It's it's big. It is a big. I like bigs, but okay. Okay, <laughs> I'll cool. Take it. <laughs> I also have um I have some change on me. It's um it's a dollar twenty one, uh, which is actually it's it's the, like the individual cost of a cigarette if you were to divide you know the total. No, no, the, you no, sure? Really, the cigarette's on me. Well, thank you. You take her gift and light the cigarette. And there it is, that first puff. It's smooth, it's tasty, it calms every part of you. You're swimming in a sea of smoky air. You are okay. After a few puffs, you begin to relax around her. You tell her about the last time you smoked a cigarette. Fourth grade? Maybe you shouldn't have told her. I don't know, I thought How'd that... How'd you afford it? <laughs> you diffuse her interest in your story with an overly simplified answer. I, uh, I did don't some things me. I shouldn't have done. Yeah. It's getting cold out. You should probably leave, but you should thank her first. Well, anyways, it was nice to meet you. Thank you very much. You're welcome very yeah. much. Were you too ungrateful? to not even share the conversation with her as you finished the cigarette? You're unsure about what relationship she was looking for out of this encounter. You tell her out of courtesy. And, um, and just so you know, I don't know if I made this clear, but, like, I'm not really, um, you're a nice person, but I'm not, like, looking for any kind of relationship or that sort of thing. I understand. Okay. I'm probably too much older than you anyway. You don't know what to say. Oh, no, no, that's not... That's not a deal. Deal breaker is what you meant to say. But words are coming out jumbled now. Is it the cold, or just the overwhelming feeling of relaxation? You're not sure. You stand up and once you're on your feet, you feel much different than you did before. You find your balance just fine, but your footsteps feel light. You're not sure if your feet are coming down to meet the sidewalk or if the earth is reaching up to support your feet. You look up at the sky. You live in a world with so many colors, don't you? You cross the street. No, oh, fuck. A car almost hit you. That wasn't a normal cigarette that you bummed off that stranger. You're high right now. You're high right now. You're high right now. You're high right now. You are high. You're high right now. You're high. Sure, what you smoke, but you, you know it's strong. Talk you about it, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. Or, or, Talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, moving. Yeah. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> what? <laughs> You're high. Oh, wait, wait.
You're walking down the street and things don't even seem the same way they did before. They just seem kind of new. Hey, wait, come over here. Get this thing. Come on. No, no, get in the picture. Get in the picture. Come on. Get in the picture. Get in the, get in the goddamn. Oh, get in the picture. Come on. No, I want to do to feel the way it normally does. Whatever was in your system seems to be wearing off. You look at your hands. A bell rings in a back room and you see a hairy hand place several plates of pancakes and eggs in a window. You recognize this type of place. It's um, a diner. And a high-end diner, it seems. So. Uh, you say a high-end diner because each of the waiters is wearing a silly white uniform and all the silverware looks really shiny. <laughs> oh, man, you're still coming down. You watch the waiters and admire the choreography of their tasks. A waiter brings four plates of breakfast, a coffee, and three glasses of orange juice. There's a man immediately to your right and a woman immediately to your left. They look at you and each other excitedly as if you three had been friends for the longest time. But you don't recognize either of them. Both of them are considerably older than you. Your mind is foggy. You try to locate yourself. Through the window behind you, you see the sunlight hit the bricks on some apartment buildings. It must be sunrise now. You're still in your clothes from yesterday. Fuck. You got fucked up last night. You swivel your stool around to stand, and the man and the woman swing you back around. They hold their glasses in the air and make a toast. You hold your glass up as well. You can't hear them, but you think they say something inspirational. You clink glasses and take a sip of this orange juice. Wow. That is fresh. Whew. You take another sip. You don't know who these people are, but you want to share with them your thoughts on how great this orange juice is. Mmm. I am I was this one. You try to talk, but you can't say anything. It's actually kind of hard to breathe. It's electric. Oh, whatever it was that was in your system seems to be entering some sort of second wave. You feel a change, yeah. First, you feel at peace with these new friends and this orange juice. But then it turns into an abstract sense of understanding. For the first time, you know why pancakes are the way that pancakes are. Life has never been so simple to know, yet rich and vast to explore, and you've found this life within you. You have this warmth, this tingle that starts in your lips but quickly swallows your head, your innards, and your fingertips and toes. It turns into a fire. You are ablaze. And now you have this overwhelming yeah of joy and life pumping through my veins and organs, my eyes, my ears, my lips. I think I just shit myself. Everything around me is so exhilarating and comforting. Oh, it feels good to be living and breathing and drinking orange juice. And I take another sip. 
I realize it's not even fresh, it's just some cheap Tropicana screwdriver, but I don't care. I laugh so hard that I have a hard time holding on to myself. I think this is how it feels to be alive. For a long time I grew so familiar with it that I had forgotten the feeling, but oh, how special it is to be a part of it all right now. For the first time in my life, I feel my blood and it's cascading through me. I am born into this moment, and this moment is born into what I choose to make of it. I am anew, I am anew, I am anew. I don't even remember who I used to be. I don't even remember my name. Wait, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Oh no, What's your name? What's your name? I don't... I don't know what my name is. Gentlemen, none of the above. I don't mean to cause you any worry. Uh, I am simply asking for a moment of your attention, perhaps in the form of eye contact. I'm talking with you today because this morning I have found myself in a bit of a rough situation. Uh, my cell phone is dead, my wallet has been emptied, and I have forgotten where I live and what my name is. I have uh, no recollection of who I am, so... If you could all just look my way and uh, at my face and uh, let me know if you recognize me. Uh, or for those of you not looking, perhaps you recognize my voice. Uh, if you could help, I'd appreciate your generosity. Uh, please. This is my fifth subway line this morning. And uh, so far, three older men have told me that I have a nice ass. And that doesn't really help me figure out who I am. But you don't give up the search. Hey, hey, so uh, thanks for coming once again. I really appreciate it. I know it was a little, uh, it was a little dark, but. Uh, we figured it'd be kind of cool if we just turned all the lights off, so. Uh, anywho, uh, I'll, I'll catch you later sometime. It'd be nice to, uh, talk about the, what you thought of the show. So, um, anywho, uh, I, I have to run, but, uh, yeah, thanks for coming. Really appreciate it. Bye. So long. <laughs> <laughs>